the fourth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me four collie birds. A collie bird is a blackbird. Once upon a time, there was a king and queen who had almost everything their hearts could desire. Almost. They had no children, and though they had tried for many years, it had come to no avail. One winter's day, the queen was sitting by her window, sewing, when she saw a blackbird land on the white snow. As she watched the little blackbird hop about and listen to it sing, she pricked her finger with her needle, and a drop of blood landed in the snow. The queen looked at the white snow, the blackbird, and the red drop of blood, and she said out loud, I wish that I could have a child who was as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as the blackbird. And when you say things aloud, they tend to set things in motion. Not long after, the queen found that she was pregnant. She and the king were overjoyed, but as her belly grew larger and larger, she began to grow weaker and weaker, until at last she knew that she would not survive the birth. She begged her husband to look after the child, to love the child, and to make sure that the child grew up with a mother. The queen gave birth to a little baby girl, a little baby girl whose skin was as white as snow, hair as black as the blackbird, and whose lips were as red as blood. The queen looked at her baby girl and named her Snow White. And that was the last thing she did, because soon after she died. The king was greatly saddened by the loss of his wife, but he remembered how she had wanted her daughter to grow up with a mother, so he set about looking for a new wife. He found a woman who seemed to be perfect. She was very beautiful, very clever, very talented, and she seemed very fond of the little baby Snow White. She would sit with her on her knee, and the king would think what a beautiful picture the two made. What the king did not know, though, was that his new wife was deeply jealous of her beauty. She had a magic mirror hidden in her closet, and every day she would go to it and ask, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? And every day the mirror would reply, Why, you are, my lady. The queen seemed fond of her pretty stepdaughter, but really she treated her more like a pet than a daughter. She dressed the little girl up like a doll, taught her how to sit, how to walk, how to talk, and saw her as a reflection of her own grace. She never really thought of Snow White as her own person, more as an accessory to herself, a reflection. Years passed, and Snow White grew from a baby, to a child, to a young woman. One day the Queen went into her closet, went to her magic mirror and asked, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? But this time... The mirror did not answer, you, my lady. This time the mirror named another. This time the mirror said, Snow White is the fairest of them all. The queen asked the mirror again, Mirror, who is the fairest of them all? And again the mirror replied, My lady, Snow White is the fairest of them all. The queen ran to the window and looked out into the garden where Snow White was sitting. For the first time, she truly looked at Snow White. She saw that little Snow White had grown up into a beautiful woman. A very beautiful woman. The Queen then ran back to her own mirror and began to study her face. 
Yes, she was still beautiful, but was that the hint of a line around her eyes? A crease by her mouth? That day something changed. The Queen was forever watching Snow White, and it seemed to her that each day Snow White grew more and more beautiful. Each day the Queen would inspect her own face, looking for lines, for creases, inspecting her own golden hair for strands of grey. Each day she asked the mirror, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? And each day the mirror replied, My lady Snow White is the fairest of them all. The Queen's jealousy of Snow White grew until it became hatred. She watched the way Snow White moved, moved the way she taught her to move. How she dressed as she had taught her to dress. How she arranged her hair as the Queen had taught her. She became convinced that somehow Snow White was stealing from her, was stealing away her youth and beauty. How else was it that Snow White grew more radiant each day, as the Queen's own beauty seemed to diminish? She felt certain there was only one way to set things to rights. The Queen called for a hunter. The hunter came, knelt before the Queen, and asked how he might serve her. Your prowess of a huntsman is known far and wide, so what I ask of you should be a simple thing indeed, said the Queen. I want you to rid me of a little pest, of a little mouse who has been nibbling away at my pantry and larder, of a fox who has been stealing into my henhouse, of a serpent who has slithered into my garden. I want you to remove this thorn from my side, and when you have disposed of it, bring me its heart to prove that it is dead. The huntsman said that whatever quest his queen set him upon, he would not rest until it was finished. Good, said the queen, for the quarry I wish you to pursue is Snow White. Take her out into the woods, slit her little throat, then bring me back her heart. The huntsman asked no questions, and the next day he took Snow White deep into the forest. When Snow White knelt down to pluck some flowers that were growing, the huntsman took out his bow and arrow. He aimed them carefully, and Snow White let out a terrible scream as the arrow whizzed over her head and struck a deer who had been grazing nearby. The huntsman then took out his knife, walked to the fallen animal, and cut out its heart. He then turned to Snow White, still holding the dripping organ in his hand. Your stepmother told me to take you here and to kill you, and bring back your heart as proof that you were dead. Run! Snow White, run far from this place and pray that your stepmother never discovers that I delivered to her the heart of a deer. Snow White did not need to be told twice. She ran from that place, ran as fast as her legs would carry her, ran until she could run no more from the stitch in her side. She stopped panting and sat below a tree. What was she to do? Where was she to go? She looked up and saw above her was a blackbird. The blackbird was singing so prettily that for a moment she forgot her troubles. But then the bird stopped. It flew away to another tree and began to sing again. Snow White got up and followed the bird. The bird again stopped its singing and flew to another tree. Snow White followed. And so this continued, the bird flying from tree to tree, singing out its little song, and Snow White following. At last, 
the bird led Snow White to a little cottage. Snow White knocked on the door, but there was no answer. But when she pushed at it, it opened. She found that inside the roof was very low, so low that she had to bend her head to walk inside. There was a long table with seven places laid on it and seven chairs seated by it. By the sink there hung seven mugs, and by the fire there rested seven pipes. Upstairs she found seven little beds, each with a quilt of a different colour. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet and indigo. The beds looked very comfortable, and Snow White was very tired, so she lay down across all seven of them and soon fell asleep. The cottage was the home of seven dwarfish brothers, who worked all day in a mine. When they came home that evening, they found that something was amiss in their cottage. The door was open. The seven chairs at the table had been moved. The same with the seven mugs and the seven pipes. When they went upstairs, they found lying across their seven beds was a stranger. One of the dwarves, the one whose counterpane was of red, cried, We must kill them! Some of the others nodded. Who knew what danger this stranger could bring with them? But just as they were reaching for their little knives, a blackbird flew in the window. The bird began to fly about their heads, flapping its wings and cheeping in agitation. One of the dwarves, the one whose counterpane was of indigo, called out, Stop a moment. Let us listen to the counsel of our neighbour. The blackbird settled down and began to cheep. Then the one whose counterpane was of green went to the beds and gently shook the shoulder of the sleeping stranger. Do not be alarmed, he said. Our neighbour, the blackbird, has told us that they brought you here. Now tell us your tale, and we shall figure out what to do. And so Snow White told the dwarfs her story. It was right for the blackbird to bring you here, said the dwarf, whose counterpane was of yellow. Yes, said the one who was of orange. We shall adopt you as our sister, and we shall keep you safe. All the dwarfs seemed to agree to this, except the one whose counterpane was of red, who grumbled about, Where is she going to sleep? She can't have my bed. We shall make her a bed, said the one whose counterpane was of violet. Yes, said the one of blue. We will make her her own little room. The dwarfs set to work, and soon they had built on the side of the cottage another room, a room whose ceiling was tall enough that Snow White could stand and stretch, with a chair and a bed the right size for her. They added an eighth setting to the long table, and an eighth chair. They got an eighth mug and hung it by the sink. They even offered her an eighth clay pipe, but Snow White, who did not smoke, declined this kind offer. Snow White and the dwarves settled into a very comfortable way of living. In the day, the dwarves would go off to the mine, and the blackbird would come to the cottage to keep Snow White company. But back at the castle, things were not so happy. The huntsman had presented the heart of the deer to the queen, claiming that it was the heart of Snow White. The queen had eaten the heart raw, thinking that by doing so she would absorb Snow White's beauty and youth. At first she thought it had succeeded, but one day while she was brushing out her hair she found a strand of grey mixed in among the gold. She ran to her closet, to her magic mirror, and called out, Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? The mirror replied, My lady, Snow White is the fairest of them all. How can this be? the queen cried. Snow White is dead. No, my lady, replied the mirror. Snow White is living deep in the forest, as beautiful as ever. She lives with the seven dwarfish brothers. The queen could not stand the thought that Snow White still lived, 
and so she resolved to put an end to her herself. Deep in the cottage, in the woods, Snow White and the dwarfs had no idea what the Queen was plotting. One day, when the dwarfs had gone to the mine, Snow White was sitting in the little cottage when she heard a knock on the door. She opened the door and found an old peddler woman. She invited the woman in, thinking that she could buy tobacco for her seven dwarfish brothers from this woman. And also, though the magpie came to talk to her every day, she had been feeling lonely for some human female company. What a pretty thing you are, said the peddler woman once inside the house. But have you no other clothes to wear? Why, the bodice of that dress is nearly worn out. She took from her bag a new bodice. Here, my dear, why do you not try this one on? Snow White took off her old bodice, and the peddler woman helped her into the new one, lacing it tight behind her. Snow White tried to call out that the bodice must be too small, but she had no breath to speak, and still the peddler woman was lacing her tighter and tighter and tighter, until at last Snow White fell down to the ground in a dead faint. The peddler woman, who was of course the queen in disguise, left, thinking that she had finally done for Snow White. After she was gone, the blackbird flew in through the window for their daily chat with Snow White. They found her lying on the floor, and though they flapped their wings and chirped, they could not rouse her. The blackbird flew to the mine where the seven dwarfish brothers were hard at work. Their cheeps and cries echoed all the way through the mine. The dwarfs heard the call and all cried, Our sister is in danger! They rushed back to the cottage where they found Snow White lying on the floor. They saw at once that her bodice was too tight to let her breathe. They took their knives and cut the laces. Snow White took in a great gulping breath of air and thanked them for coming to her aid. The dwarves were pleased to see her revived, and they told her that she must be careful, for what would they do if they were to lose their new little sister? Back at the castle, the queen, having removed her disguise as the peddler woman, went to her closet and went to her magic mirror. Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? Why, my lady, Snow White, who lives with the seven dwarfish brothers, she is the fairest of them all. How can it be? cried the queen. I was certain she was dead. No matter, I will try again. Sometime later, Snow White was sitting in the cottage after the dwarves had left for work, when there came a knocking on the door. Standing there was a peddler woman. Snow White stepped out to speak with her. She reasoned that outside, her neighbour the blackbird could see all that happened and could warn her if there was any danger. She asked the peddler woman if she had any wool, for Snow White wished to knit her seven dwarfish brothers' socks for the winter. The peddler woman said indeed she did have wool, wool of all the colours of the rainbow. But she said to Snow White, My dear child, have you no mother? No one to look after your hair? Why, it is a veritable bird's nest. Here, let me comb it out for you. The peddler woman took out a beautiful comb, and Snow White sat down so that she might begin to comb out her long, dark hair. Quick as a wink, the peddler woman jammed the comb into the base of Snow White's skull. Snow White let out a terrible shriek and fell to the ground as if dead. The blackbird had been sitting in a tree, preening its glossy feathers. It saw what had happened and flew at once to the mine. When the dwarves heard the birds cry, they knew at once that something had happened to their little sister. All seven of them rushed to the cottage where they found Snow White lying at the door. They turned her over and saw something glinting at the back of her skull. They pulled it out and once the comb was removed, Snow White was revived. The dwarves were almost in tears. They had come so close to losing their little sister. They felt that this was more than a coincidence. Surely this must be the work of the Queen. It was not safe for Snow White to stay on her own. So from that day on, 
one of the dwarves stayed behind in the cottage while the other six went to work. Back at her castle, the queen took off her disguise, went to her mirror and asked, Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? The mirror replied, My lady, Snow White, who lives with the seven dwarfish brothers, she is the fairest of them all. The queen now went into a mad rage. How was it that Snow White still lived? She spent many days sitting in her closet, brooding and plotting, until at last she felt certain she knew how to dispose of Snow White. In the cottage, in the middle of the woods, the dwarves had taken it in turns each to spend the day with Snow White while the others went to work. On the day when the one whose counterpaint was red was taking his turn to stay with his little sister in the cottage, there came a knock on the door. The dwarf would not let Snow White answer it and instead went to the door himself. Standing there was a woman with a basket of apples. She asked the dwarf if he would like to buy any of the fruit she had to sell. The dwarf's mouth began to water as he looked at the apples. He had a particular fondness for the fruit. But he remembered the danger that there was to Snow White but then an idea struck him. He bought one apple from the woman. It was a beautiful apple, both deepest red and brightest green. He brought the apple to Snow White and said, I have a treat for us, but to make sure that it is safe, let me bite my half first. He then took up his knife and sliced the apple in half, then proffered it to Snow White, asking which half she would like to eat. Snow White chose the green half which the dwarf was quite pleased about, as red was his favourite colour. He picked up the red half of the apple and bit into it. It tasted crisp and sweet and good. This is the most delicious apple I have ever eaten. Snow White, you must try it. Snow White picked up the green half of the apple and bit into it. But as she swallowed the bite, something strange seemed to happen to her. Her snow white face grew even paler. The dwarf asked her was anything wrong, but she made no reply. She brought her hand up to her throat and then fell down as if dead. The dwarf cried out. He shook her and shook her. He then ran to the window and called the blackbird to fetch his six brothers. The blackbird flew to the mine and soon the six dwarves ran back to the cottage. They found their brother weeping over the body of Snow White. He has killed her, said the one whose counterpane was of orange. I might as well have, he cried. I... An apple. I I thought it was safe. I bit half of it myself and now she is dead. The dwarves began to comfort their brother. He could not have known that half the apple had been poisoned. It was not his fault. He had done everything he could. Their neighbour, the blackbird, was still flying about their heads, but the dwarves paid them no notice. They then began to speak of what should they do with their little sister, Snow White. For she was surely dead. But none of them could bear the thought of her being left alone in the dark in the ground. They decided that they would make her a coffin of glass and that they would lay her out in the woods, in the sunlight, among the flowers. And so they did. They built a coffin of glass, laid Snow White's lifeless body in it and carried it into a clearing in the woods where the sunlight shone through the trees and the flowers bloomed. All the while the blackbird cheeped and squawked at them, but the dwarves were so full of grief they could not hear what the blackbird said. They laid Snow White out and then went back to their little cottage. Time passed. Winter came, then spring, then summer, then autumn, and again the apples grew on the trees. 
A prince from a neighbouring kingdom was riding through the forest one day. Suddenly, out of nowhere, like a dart, there flew at his face a blackbird. The prince raised his arms to try to shield them, but at the last moment the bird swerved. It perched on a branch and looked at him. "'What an insolent little bird!' cried the prince. He reached out his hand to swat it, but the bird flew away. It perched again on a tree just out of reach. The prince again made a swat of the bird, and again it flew just out of reach and sat on a branch, looking at him. "'Why?' said the prince to his horse. "'I too believe this little bird wants me to follow it. "'Very well, lead on, bird.' And so the prince followed the bird. The blackbird led him into a clearing in the woods, where the sun shone and the flowers grew, and in the centre was a glass box. "'What a strange treasure to find in the middle of the woods,' said the prince, getting off his horse to make a closer inspection of the box. When he was close to, he saw what was inside. It was a treasure of a kind, but not one of rubies or gold. It looked to him like the statue of a woman. It must be carved from marble, so pale was the skin. But the lips, they looked as red as blood, and the hair was as black as the wings of the blackbird that had led him there. What a strange find, said the prince. I shall take it home with me. He went to one end of the glass box and tried to raise it, but it was too heavy for him to manage alone. It slipped from his grasp and fell to the ground, the fall causing the lid to jerk open. But the clasp on the lid was not the only thing to be freed by the fall. The piece of apple which had been wedged in Snow White's throat was jerked loose. She sat up with a gasp and cried out, Where are my brothers? The blackbird began to sing as loud as its little lungs would let it. The dwarves who were sitting in their cottage heard the cry of the blackbird and came racing to the glade where they had laid out Snow White. They found her there alive and well again. There were many joyful shouts and many joyful tears and many hugs and embraces and with all the happy chaos it was quite some time before the prince was able to get the story from Snow White and the dwarves as to what had happened to lead her to be lying there in a glass box in the first place. When at last the story was told the dwarves, all seven of them, suddenly became silent and sad again. Snow White asked, What is it, my brothers, that is troubling you? The dwarves looked at each other and then the one whose counterpane was of indigo spoke. We are glad that you are back, Snow White, but we are also sad, for we believe this prince is in love with you, and he will take you away to be his wife, and we will lose you again. Snow White then turned to the prince and said, If you do indeed wish to take me away and marry me, I will only go if my seven brothers may go with me. The prince, who was indeed now madly in love with Snow White, agreed, yes, of course, her seven brothers would come with her, and each would be pages at the wedding. And so it was. A great wedding was held, and the seven dwarfish brothers were the seven pages at the wedding ceremony, each dressed in silks of a different colour, one of red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo and violet. All the nobility from the neighbouring kingdoms were invited to the wedding, including Snow White's stepmother, the Queen. The Queen's face was even paler than that of Snow White when she came and made a curtsy before the newlywed couple. The Prince called out, Mother-in-law, I have a gift for you. And indeed, the Prince and Snow White, under the advice of the dwarves, had made a very special gift for Snow White's stepmother. A pair of shoes, but no ordinary shoes. Shoes made of iron. The shoes had been sitting on a brazier all through the wedding ceremony and were now red hot. 
The dwarves brought forth the shoes and forced the stepmother into them. She leapt and jumped, trying to shake the red-hot iron from her feet, but they were made well and held fast. All who watched thought it looked as if she was dancing, and indeed she seemed to dance herself to death. 